Hi, I'm going to give you another little bit of a lesson on using technology for teaching. And what I wanted to address today, and why I'm calling it, calling this lesson by a certain title, sometimes you have to tune out. I thought about this because when I was first learning how to use technology, I read all kinds of things in educational newspapers and educational magazines and things that I got put in my mailbox and things that were in the general press. And everything sounded wonderful to me. And being the ambitious kind of teacher that I was, I wanted to try everything. But I soon learned that I couldn't do everything. And I had to be content with that. What makes me mention this today is that every time I turn around, there's something more about artificial intelligence or virtual reality. And there are all kinds of teachers who are pioneers and who order all this new equipment and try to do all of these things. And what ends up happening is absolutely nothing. It's very easy to think you can be ahead of the curve with technology, but it's way easier to be not the leader in the pack. There's no doubt but that virtual reality and artificial intelligence and programming and all those things are lying in wait and will become more important with time. But you don't have to start with that. And you need to hear that it's not necessary to to pick up on something because somebody else says, oh, did you read about? And then somebody says, well, have you thought about trying? When it comes to using technology and trying to integrate technology, keeping it simple, doing the easiest things usually makes the most sense because it's not a huge reach for you and it sure isn't a huge reach for the students. Generally speaking, the students can reach higher faster than you. But that's not how you're going to function and help your students or your child learn. Something just came across my screen <clears throat> about virtual realities. Not virtual, sorry, a virtual field trip. And that's something that reminds me it is a, a great place to start in your classroom or at home. If you're at home, you can do a Google search on just about anything. So one day your son or daughter picks up a book and they read about sharks. 
Last night in the news, there was something about oh, in New Zealand about these beached whales and the effort that was being, pilot whales, I think they were, and the effort that was being made to help them unbeach themselves and save themselves. So you're watching the news with your kids, either at home or at school, and they see that. And then if you're in, an ingenious teacher, you ask them questions. You ask them why they think the whales might have been beached. And then you allow them to do a Google search to read about, to find information about the whales and see them. And then you can ask them to look for a, an aquarium where they might be able to watch the whales and see how they function in the water, what their um, environment is, what their habitat is like, and how they navigate. Because you can find a, a virtual field trip, a webcam, in almost every place in the world. And that helps you help your students follow an interest. There are so many different tools today that you can get confused in, well, what should I do? Should I go to Google? Should I go to YouTube? Should I go to, to virtual field trips? Those are easy things to choose from. But you have to, once you keep in mind, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can let the kids follow their interests. You'd be amazed at how easily they get interested in something because it's in a YouTube video or it's in a webcam in an aquarium or a museum. When I was in the classroom, 30 years ago, and students in those days in Ontario had to do speeches. And they had to pick their own topics, and then they had to do their research. And oftentimes, there were students that were interested in dinosaurs. Today, they wouldn't have to run to the library and pick volume D off the shelf and do their research. They could go to Google and they could type in dinosaur and then they could zero in on the kind of dinosaur they were interested in because we know now there are way more kinds than there were that had names to them when I was in school, for instance. And then once they do some research in Google, you supervise where they go, but they could go to the dinosaur exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum, or in the Badlands in the United States, or the tar pits in Alberta, where they found dinosaur bones, or to Central Asia, the steppes of Central Asia, where they've done research. And then you help them zero in. I referred in the classroom to focusing their lens. 
you need to focus the lens so they learn something meaningful about a very particular part of a huge field. They can get lost in all the details, but you help them by guiding them down a path to find that information. But you don't need to have the most sophisticated understanding of technology. You really don't. And you don't need to go, oh, sure, I'll bet you there is a place where kids can go and they can put on goggles and they can inhabit the space of the dinosaurs, like in in uh, the movies, right? Remember those movies where they went to an island and they lived in the environment of the dinosaurs and the trouble they got into? They don't need to do that to understand a little bit about the dinosaurs. They don't need to go from YouTube videos to webcams in a museum or um, an exhibit in a museum on dinosaurs to seeing the dinosaurs in action. You need to try to keep their enthusiasm down and focus. That's what it means to be a guide on the side. But again, you do not need to think, oh, there's something wrong with me. I can't, I can't get my head around this virtual reality, and so therefore I'm getting nowhere with my students. Integrating technology is a huge, huge growth industry. It is today, anyways. And you only need to focus on one small part just like you want your students to focus on one small part of a larger topic so that they can do meaningful learning on that one topic. And you can do meaningful learning and have meaningful experiences using one small piece of technology but then you can add on as you go so they google that's one and then they look for um, they, they look at a science center or a museum that has a just as an example a dinosaur exhibit and then they use maybe a word processor to write out some questions or write out some answers, or they use a PowerPoint, for example, to take pictures and make slides and then write some answers. And that's, that's more than enough. You don't need anything fancy. The fancier you get, the harder it is for you to make that leap in the use of technology. So remember, I use the expression, keep it simple, stupid, but I don't mean that. I mean, keep it simplified. Keep your use of technology focused on what you feel comfortable with. And only as you feel more comfortable can you expand that repertoire of technology tools. It's good for you, 
because you'll be comfortable and it's good for your students because you help keep them focused on one thing only. Most of you are parents and you know kids have multiple enthusiasms and the trick is to help channel those enthusiasms and not be overwhelmed by all the enthusiasms they have and all the questions. What you don't know the answer to, you look up together. But you focus. You keep your use of technology simplified and you expand your repertoire as you feel more comfortable. And it'll be great for both you and your learners, whether they're your kids or your class of students.